We are uh, really blessed. We are excited for, for all that God is doing. And, and I, this series title, The Grave Defeated. Wow. The Grave Defeated. You know, that means something. That, that's our foundation as Christians. It, it's not a title. It's our foundation. If we don't get the grave defeated, then we don't get what it means to be a Christian. That, that's, that's the baseline. That's the truth. If somebody ever asks you, what does it mean to be a Christian? You can tell them the grave defeated. That's what that means. And all the sermons that have been preached this month, my gosh, have been really eloquently laying it out and explaining it. It's been giving us some understanding and some true guidance about what it means, what the grave defeated means in so many areas of our life. And today I have the privilege to talk about how hope comes because the grave was defeated. Hope, hope. This objective for this whole series has said that by the power of Jesus' resurrection, he is able to revive all areas of our lives, generation to generation. How many of you need to be revived today? Doesn't sound like it. How many people need to be revived today? You know, when somebody goes into the ER and they're on the stretcher, and, and, and the nurses, the doctors, the paramedics, the anesthesiologists all know this guy needs to be revived. This lady needs to be revived. They don't say, okay, come on, guys. Let's push it. Oh, don't hit the walls. We're turning the corner. They're like, move. Get out of the way. There's cold blue beeping because someone needs to be revived. That's how we got to look at our lives. We need revival in our lives sometimes, church. We, we, we need to be revived as Christians many times throughout our walk with God, if we're honest. Not just once when we get saved. We need it constantly. Specifically, our hope needs to be revived. Our hope. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10 says, But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death. I love that word, destroyed. He didn't overcome it. He destroyed it. And has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. Wow. That's another scripture that we should be memorizing that goes back to the foundation of our faith. If anybody ever says, what does it mean to be a Christian? Why are you a Christian? You tell them 2 Timothy 1.10, look it up, and that's the reason Christianity is what it is. Because death was destroyed, Jesus overcame, he brought us to immortality. He has illuminated the way to life. You know, people in this world spend thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars to listen to people's ideas, to read books, to go to conferences, to figure out where am I, where, can you illuminate me on where to go in life? Jesus already did that. And the book is free in the Bible and on your phone. It's called the Bible. 
You don't need to spend thousands of dollars. Thanks be to God that Jesus rose from the dead. Thanks be to God because if he didn't, life would be sad. Life would truly be sad. It would be sad because there would be nothing to live for. There would be nothing to fight for. All your trials wouldn't be worth going through because there would be nothing to look forward to when you got through it. Life would be sad. And you know, the saddest parts of all this is that there are many people that are living without a relationship with Christ and they don't even know that their life could be better. They don't even know it. They think this is just life. Everyone has their situations and circumstances and trials. This is just mine. But did you know that they need to be illuminated by the gospel, which is what, 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 the, what the scripture just said. Many of us, we were in the dark, right? We were in the dark about a lot of things. We thought we had it all together. We thought we understood what life was. We thought we understood what the meaning of life. Maybe we even thought what religion was about. But we were in the dark. And it wasn't until Jesus illuminated in our lives that we figured it out. But the truth is, is somebody had to illuminate us. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up about what's going on in many of the Muslim countries right now. You know, because I, I, I read a lot about, you know, how people are coming to Christ in those, like, totalitarian governments where you can't even think about Jesus or you're going to jail. I mean, it's that bad. You can't even say Jesus without referring to him as a prophet in their book versus the savior of your life because that means you're going to jail for life or death depending on where you're at. And there's many Muslims coming to Jesus. And you know how? You want to know how they're coming to Jesus? Jesus is showing up in their dreams. Jesus is giving them visions because nobody can illuminate the gospel to him because it's against the law. But Jesus is like, that's fine. I'll show up myself. I'll go into their minds. I'll go into their dreams. I will show them. I will illuminate myself in their life. See, we, however, don't have those barriers. So Jesus has an expectation that we be the illuminators. And that's sad that many people still are in the dark about the wonderful life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Many of those people are your friends, your neighbors, your family. They may not even know you're a Christian. And that's sad. Let God use you as the illuminator. Now, I would be lying to you. If I told you that life in Christ was all about peaches and roses, that's all Jesus is, is oh, once you get saved, your life problems go away. No. At times it can seem like the very flames of hell are trying to burn you as a Christian, right? Let's be real. Sometimes it feels like, my gosh, I feel like hell itself is surrounding me. And we even have prayers like, Jesus, I thought I was your son. I thought I was your daughter. Then why is hell so near me? I am under attack. I feel the heat of hell. I need a gasp of your fresh air, God. Where are you? 
I wish life in Christ meant no trials or troubles. But God doesn't promise us that. Not in this life. Not in this life. But what he does promise is found in John 16, And this is what he does promise us as Christians. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will, not might, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. You see, he tells us we're going to have trouble. He doesn't say, well, if you're a good Christian, you won't have trouble. If you're a bad Christian, you'll have more trouble. He doesn't say that. He says, if you are in this world, you will have trouble. We all can say amen to that. A lot of us, we've had trouble. Some of you have been the trouble. You need to take that to God. <laughs> but he also tells us it's okay. You can overcome this. You can overcome your troubles because I overcame the world. Specifically, I overcame death, he says. So what is Jesus offering us? He's offering us hope. That's what he's telling us. He's telling us that you can also overcome, daughter. I had trouble. I overcame. You have trouble? You can overcome. I had trials. You have trials? I overcame? You can overcome. You see, there's this deceptive lie that says if you're a Christian, you shouldn't be suffering. I wish that wasn't the case. I wish we wouldn't have to suffer, church. I, I really do. But he also promises us something through our suffering. And that's peace. He says, peace through your trials. Peace in your marriage. Even though maybe you and your spouse are not on best terms right now. Peace at your jobs or workplaces. Because it seems like everyone may be rising up against you. And you're like, God, I thought you blessed me with this job. Why is everybody coming against me? Peace in your finances. Even though they're not, your finances aren't cooperating with you right now. Peace in your mind. Peace in here. From all those tormenting thoughts that crowd your thinking. And, and you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, your trials are not in the exterior. Your trials are not even in your life. You're blessed. You got people that love you, family that loves you. You got money in the bank. Your cars are working. Okay? You don't even have to take it to the shop at all. But in here, your thoughts are going. You start thinking this, you start thinking that, you start doubting this, you start doubting this, you start questioning this, you start wondering this, you start going on these crazy, I'm not going to say trips, but I'm going to say thoughts trips. Your thoughts are taking you somewhere. Your thoughts are taking you all over the place. Can I tell you that God wants to provide peace in your mind? Peter says, renew your minds with the word of God. You want peace from your thought processes that are all over the place? 
Read your Bible. And you're going to see those trips start to decline. And you, know, and you know what peace is, by the way? This is my definition of peace. I call peace the evidence of God's presence. That's what I call peace. Because when you got God's presence, all hell can be breaking loose around you, and you're just like, wow, you're at peace. Sometimes my wife will come home from work, and she'll tell me all this stuff that went on, and I'm getting mad. I'm like, what? I'm like, and she's at peace. And I'm like, she goes, and you know what, Jose? I was at peace. And I was like, how? Because when you got God's presence, you got God's peace. His presence in the midst of adversity. His presence in the midst of tough times. Anybody having some tough times right now? No, really, raise your hand. Anybody having some tough times right now? Right? His presence in the midst of pain, whether you've been physically ailed with some physical issues or pain that maybe you're hurting because somebody has hurt you, emotional pain. His presence in the midst of ridicule. His presence in the midst of your doubts. Does anyone need this peace that comes with his presence? Raise up your hand if you want some of this peace. Amen. Yes. Wow. Then we need his presence. You want that peace? You need his presence. So we got to get into his presence. You want peace, but do you want what it takes to get the peace? That comes by coming into his presence. Prayer, worship. I mean, even when you come to church, do you worship? Or are you watching the light show? I'm asking, I don't know. What, what are you, when you worship, are you really worshiping? When you read his word, did you know you're coming into his presence? I'll even share this. I shared this last Sunday at church. I said, did you know that you can come into the presence of God during offering time? Because offering and, and tithing is an act of worship. And worship is coming into his presence. You know you could be lacking the presence of God because you don't want to pay your tithe. Did you know that? You might be missing an aspect of the presence of God because you don't want to pay your tithe. Well, the church don't need my money. Okay, maybe, but you need his presence. If you need his presence, do everything that the word of God says gets us into his presence. Do it. Don't hold back. But God, I want peace. But we're not doing those things that give us the peace. See, my goal for you today is that you would allow God's resurrecting power to restore your hope and your joy. Restore it. Many of you are in a place today that seems hopeless. Maybe you feel like giving up. 
And I'm talking to both Christians and those that maybe haven't made the decision yet to accept Jesus in their heart. I truly feel that many in here today, you're feeling beat down. You're, you're, you feel torn down. You feel put down. And you don't see anything good at the moment. I, I truly feel that that's what's happening in many lives. But I'd like to encourage you. It will pass. It will not last forever. You want to know the best thing about trials? Is that they don't last forever. You will overcome them. Jesus said, take heart. I have overcome the world. See, the world will try to overcome you, but it can't. Because you're his. You are his. Take heart. See, that's the problem. We don't take heart sometimes. What does that mean, take heart? I have overcome the world. I believe Jesus is saying, look into your heart and remember who your heart belongs to. If your heart belongs to Jesus, then take heart because he overcame and you're going to overcome. You're not going to go through this forever. You're not going to be in this trial forever. You're not going to be in this circumstance forever. You're not going to be struggling forever. Take heart. That's the good news. God doesn't want you to go through it alone. God doesn't want you to go through it forever. I have a cute story that I read. <clears throat> oh, actually, no, that's at the end. This is an illustration <laughs> that it illustrates how you can bounce back from hopeless situations. Hopeless situations. We can feel hopeless as Christians sometimes, church. Can we be transparent with one another? We can be hopeless sometimes when we don't see it happening. God, your promises says this, but this is what I see. God, you gave me a dream. You gave me a word, but that's not what I'm seeing. And we, been, and we begin to lose hope for what we thought God was going to do. For what we were excited about at the beginning when God showed us. So how can we bounce back from a hopeless situation? This is from an article from the Parade Magazine in New York. And it comes the story of a self-made millionaire named Eugene Land. Now, if you don't know him, he... He had a lot of patents, one of those being like barcodes and things like that. So he was really big time uh, rich, another word. And he greatly changed the lives of sixth grade class in East Harlem, which is in New York. Now, Mr. Lang had actually been asked to speak to a class of 59 sixth graders. What could he say to inspire these students, most of whom would drop out of school because the stats showed that about 80 to 85% of those students in that school would not graduate. Horrible stats. He wondered how can he get these predominantly black and Puerto Rican children even to look at him. Scrapping his notes, he decided to speak to them from his hearts. 
This is what he told them. Stay in school, he admonished. We've all heard that, right? Stay in school. But look at what he said. Stay in school and I'll help pay the college tuition for every one of you. Now, this is before financial aid was as generous as it is now. No, I'm serious. This was back when financial aid was not easy for everyone to get. At that moment, the lives of these students changed. For the first time, they had hope. One student said, I have something to look forward to, something waiting for me. Look what he says. It was a golden feeling. Nearly 90% of that class went on to graduate from high school because of what this man said and what they were able to hope for. I don't know if we have a picture. Do you guys have a picture media team of that? There it is. That's just a few of them. <clears throat> so of the 59 students, 50 of them went on to go to college. Because someone gave them something to look forward to. Their hope was revived. Their hope became alive. You don't think they knew the stats of that school? They knew no one was going to graduate. But when they heard that, they're like, well, wait a minute. If I'm going to get a free ride to college, I'm going to maybe try a little bit here. Church, we have something to look forward to also. Let that hope that we hope for revive us like it revives them. It's not the end. You see, before they knew that college would be paid for, before they knew that, they weren't even trying to do well in school. They weren't trying to do good. Besides, they knew their chances were slim to even be able to pay for college, even if they did do good in school. So why try? But the moment they knew that as long as they did their parts, got the grades that they needed in order to get into college, they knew college would be paid for, then they started to do good in school. And those of us that have student debt, side note, we know that having student debt paid for in full would be a huge blessing, right? <laughs> Any college students know that. This promise motivated them. See, they knew, yeah, stay in school. Yeah, do good in school. Why? For what? It put a fire in them, and they hustled and got the grades that they needed to get into college. And I'm talking about good colleges, really good colleges that there would be no way they could pay for. Harvard, Princeton, Yale, I'm talking about Ivy League schools because they knew, hey, if it's going to be for free, then I'm going to do what I got to do to get there. You see, church, our hope is in Christ. That we will one day graduate spiritually and be with him for eternity. Do we forget that? Jesus said the same thing to us. Hey, just do your part. Just do your part. I already got you covered. You're going to heaven. Just do your part. Just make it through. Get through the trials. Get through the tribulations. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't let suffering overtake you. You overtake it. 
Don't let the devil's lies become your truth. Let my truth overcome the devil's lies. You're covered, you're going, you're graduating spiritually to heaven. If only we could act like those students, right? Oh, wait, I'm covered? Then I'm going to do what I got to do to get there. But sometimes Christians, if we're honest, oh, we're covered, we're going to heaven, praise God. Oh, first trial, oh, forget it. What? There's no sense. We got a full paid ticket to heaven, church, that you and I could not pay for. You and I could not get there on our own. We needed somebody to come down and say, hey, do your part. You know, get you there. Full paid scholarship. Amen. You see, do we forget about why we're doing what we're doing? Those kids were in the sixth grade. That means they, they worked hard in the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth. So for seven years, oh my gosh, 90% of them stayed committed. 90% stayed committed. Imagine if 90% of the church stayed committed, Pastor Richard. Imagine if 90% of every visitor that walked through those doors stayed. Huh. We would need five more buildings. Honestly, if those stats could work for a school, then why can't they work for a church? Because our hope needs to be revived. Some of us have become hopeless, even in our faith, even in our belief of who Jesus is. You think those students said, oh, man, I got to see. Just forget it. I'm done. No, they're like, well, I got to study harder. Well, you know what then? I got to try harder. Okay, I flunked this class. I'm going to take it again. Some of us, we fail and we throw in the towel. Well, God, I guess you don't love me. It has nothing to do with that. Remember, we got to do our part. Don't forget, church, what do we hope for? We hope for eternity, amen? Let, let's be real. When was the last time you thought about eternity? Like, I'm going to be in heaven one day. It's, I have to be honest with you. Sometimes I'm not even thinking about heaven. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to get through this. Oh, my gosh, I got to go here. Oh, my gosh, I got to. And sometimes heaven's not even on my mind for a whole day. Right? Sometimes we forget, wait a minute, this whole Christian walk thing is leading me somewhere called heaven. A place where there's no crying, a place where there's no more pain, a place where there's no more suffering, a place where there's no more trials, a place where there's no more temptation, a place where there's no more sin, a place where there's no more failure, a place where there's no more hurt, a place where there's no more pain. My gosh, we should be like, holy, holy is God. I want to get there. And I don't want nothing in the way. We will no longer cry in heaven, church. Some of you have cried many tears. We won't feel depressed anymore. We won't feel defeated anymore. Let our hope be revived, church. Let us not forget where we're going. 
Let us not forget it's not just here. We're going somewhere. Those students knew I want to go to the best college. I'm going to do what I got to do because I'm going for free. We got to be the same way. I want to get to heaven because Jesus paid the price for me. There's no sin that can hold me back as long as I do my part. Does this motivate you, Christian? Am I speaking to somebody? Please, <clears throat> please don't forget that in this life, this is, all not, this is not all there is. This life is not all there is. You know, I was really encouraged by, gosh, my mind is going blank. <laughs> the, the pastor that came that went to heaven just recently, Dean Braxton. I was so encouraged because of his experience in heaven. And just the little bit of stuff that he explained to us, I was like, wow, that's going to be awesome. It kind of revived me and reminded me, it's going to be good, church. It's going to be great. Please don't forget that. This life is not all there is. This life is only a speck on the unending line of eternity. This life is but a speck, and that line never ends for you and I. And we get all worked up on that little speck, on that little dust particle of our life compared to the line of eternity. And, and, and we forget, wait, there's so much more. While we're here on earth, let's look at the promises of hope that Christ gives us because that's what he does promise us. He doesn't promise us, you know, no trials, but he promises us peace through trials. Isn't that awesome? You're not going to go through it alone. Will you feel pain? Will you feel hurt? Will you feel disappointment? Yes. You know why? Because we live amongst people. And you know what people are? Broken. And you know what broken people do? We hurt each other. It's not God that does it. Sometimes we do it to each other, right? Am I right? And, th and this is why it pains me when I hear people say, oh, I, I left ch this church because of church hurt. The church should not be hurting anybody. We should be healing one another. We should be helping one another. And can I tell you, if, 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 if you've been hurt or offended by someone in the church, remember, it's that someone in the church. It's not the whole church that did it to you. Because all of a sudden, the devil starts to lie to you. Oh, that church don't love you. Because one person out of 450 told you something. And you start saying, that church doesn't care. And it's like, no, it wasn't the church. It was that one person. And you might have not even heard it right. If we're honest. See, the devil's a liar. And he wants to break the church apart when God has called the church to be united. When God has called the brothers and sisters to be brothers and sisters. We need to care for one another, church. We need to care when our brothers or sisters are going through something. That's what God has called us to do. That's why he calls us, he, we call each other brothers and sisters because we're supposed to be a family, right? And yeah, I know sometimes families fight. I get that. But we shouldn't be fighting. I don't know why I said that. It's not even here. I must have been off topic. 
Somebody God wanted that to hear. I, I, I don't know. But while we are here on earth, let's look at those promises of hope that Christ gives us. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 through 3. I love this scripture because it describes Jesus to a T. <clears throat> this is a prophecy about Christ before Christ was even born on earth, that is. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. What a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for you and I. Jesus does all of that for us. And it was prophesied about. And this here, my gosh, let's look at those words that popped out. He gives us good news. He binds up the brokenhearted. He proclaims freedom. He releases us from darkness. He gives us the Lord's favor. Who wants the Lord's favor? <clears throat> Who wants his comfort? Amen. He provides for those who grieve. Are you grieving? He will provide for you. He will heal you. And then I love this one. He gives us a crown of beauty and oil of joy. A crown of beauty. A garment of praise. And I love this part. He makes us the display of his splendor. He shows us off, church. He shows us off. I think he shows us off to the angels in heaven. Oh, look, look at my sons. Look at my daughters. You see those crowns? You see that peace on them? You see my splendor on them? Oh, this one, I put the oil of joy on her. Look at, and I think he's right there displaying his splendor. He's like, let me show you this. Kind of like some of you that have, like, these cars you've been working on, and every time somebody comes over, you're like, hey, let me show you something in the garage real quick. Or anybody else that's like, oh, look at all these baseball cards I got right here. These right here are from 1955, Duke Snyder, Yogi Berra. You guys are like, huh? <clears throat> wow. We have a lot to hope for. A lot. Look at all those promises that Jesus says he wants to bestow on you and I. And we go through trials and we forget that. Why do we forget that? My other prayer for you today is that you would allow God's resurrecting power to inspire you. And give you a fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. The oil of joy. You know, oil was a, a symbol of the presence of the Holy Spirit. A symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When we need the oil of joy, you know you're anointed when you have joy in your life. If it comes from God, you're anointed when you have the joy of the Lord. Some of us need joy. You see, the followers of Jesus weren't always filled with joy. 
They got filled with joy when they met Jesus. But then their joy was shattered when he died. But then they were filled with joy again when he encountered them as the risen Christ. Do you see what happens? We're not happy. We're happy. We're not happy. We're happy. We're not happy. We can get happy. That's part of life, church. I want you to know sometimes joy can go up and down in our life. But it's there for you and I regardless. You see, just prior to Jesus showing himself, they had been discouraged because their leader, Jesus, was murdered. They had lost all hope. They had followed Jesus day in and day out for three years. Solid. I mean, they left everything to follow Jesus. They left their families at home. They left their jobs. They left their businesses. They left all just to follow Jesus. And now he's gone. Of course their hope was gone. They were at a loss. They couldn't understand. Wait, why did Jesus spend three years with us, giving us all these cool messages and sermons and illustrations, and then he dies? You see, many times this happens to us church. We follow Jesus faithfully. We sacrifice so much for him. We make life choices to follow him out of faith. We move things around in our life for God so that we could be at church. And then sometimes things don't turn out as we planned. We fall into sadness. We fall into disappointment as Christians. And sometimes you give up. Some stop trying as hard as they did before in ministry. Because your hope has been lost. I thought this Christian life by now, I've been saved 20 years and my life seems like the worst trials ever came out year 20. Why do I even try so hard on platform? Why, why, why do I even check in in Royal Rangers and work on my messages? I'm just going to do the least now to get by. Why do, I, why do I even report to be an usher all the time? I'm just, you know, we stop trying as hard as we used to because of the trials, right? Let's be real. Let's be honest. It happens. I've had the same prayers when things went wrong, and I said, God, you know, I've been faithful, God. Why is this happening? Why are you allowing this, God? And we start to go through these moments, right? We stop trying hard in our families. We stop trying hard in our relationships. Before you cared about what your kids did, now you're so fed up with them, you're like, ah, leave. I don't want to see you anyways. You're just so fed up with them. Sometimes we just stop trying. Sometimes we even stop praying. Because we're so hurt by these people that we've been praying for and trying so hard for God to change and we don't see the change. And what we do is we say, I guess prayer doesn't work. And we put prayer on the shelf. You see, that fire that we had seems to die down. 
What happened to the disciples was is they had forgotten, though, the words of Christ. They lost their hope because they forgot the messages of Christ. And I honestly think, I, I read that sometimes and I will scratch my head like, wait, how do they, Jesus keeps telling them he's going to die and rise and he's giving them an illustration of the temple. I will break it down and build it back up. And he would even tell them, you don't understand. Oh, oh, God must have showed you this, Peter. And, you know, this has been revealed to you. you know, and, and even after he tells them, when he dies, they're like, this is horrible. I can't believe this. That even when he resurrected, they were kind of like, wait, really? Like, I mean, it was not something that you and I from the outside can understand. But let's be real and let's be honest. We sometimes forget the words of Christ when we're going through trials. Because what we see at that moment is the trial and the tribulation and the suffering and what we feel. And what happens is we forget the words of Christ that there is hope. We forget the words of Christ that there is peace. We forget the words of Christ that this is not forever. We forget the words of Christ that I will comfort you, that I will be there for you, that I hear you, that I hold every tear in a bottle that you've wept. Those are his words. But we forget. So when Jesus reappeared on the scene, they too were revived. Because Jesus said, hey, yo, I'm here. And they're like, oh my goodness, he's here. And they all jumped up. They ran to the grave. They wanted to see him. They started talking to him. And you know what's awesome? He stayed with them for like 40 days. And he was talking to them, resurrected for 40 days. Some of us need that type of revival, right? We need a visitation from Jesus all the time for 40 days. And you know what's awesome is he'll do it. He'll do it. He sees us in despair. Are you ready to be revived, church? Are you ready for God to show back up in your life because maybe you felt he stepped out for a moment? You see, they were inspired once again. Some of us need inspiration today, right? Some of us need to be reinvigorated it may seem like Jesus isn't involved in your life right now, but just wait. Just wait. He wants to reappear in your life like he, appeared, like he reappeared in the disciples' lives. And you know why? Because he was like, my goodness, they are so down and out. I got to go show them. Yo, look, I got a hole in my hands. I got a spear in my side, a spear hole in my side. And they were like, oh, my gosh, he's back. And you know what? Those men changed the world forever because they were revived how many of us need our hope revived how many of us need that today i believe that's why this message exists today because some of us need to be revived in closing i have a story to share a man approached the little league baseball game one afternoon and he asked the boy in the dugout what the score was. The boy responded, 18 to nothing. We're behind. Boy, said the spectator, I bet you're discouraged. And the boy says, why should I? We haven't even got up to bat yet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now that is optimism, right? Whoo, 18 to zero in the first inning. You'd be like, turn it off. 
But this boy hadn't given up. He said, oh, it's okay. It's all right. When we get back up there, we're going to come on the board. Church, don't give up. Church, let's get back in the game. It's not over. You haven't even come up to bat yet. The devil has tried to keep you down before you've even risen up. And you need to rise up because that's when you're going to do some damage. Let your hope be revived. We have Jesus, the resurrected king. And it's not over. It's just the first inning. It's just the first inning. We need to get back in the game. In closing, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Church, Jesus wants to give you a living hope. Hope always seems like a far off concept, but it's not. It's not. It's for us. Hope is for us because he knows we were going to come through some tough times. Don't give up. It's not over. Let your hope be revived. Let's bow our heads.